We are Victim of Illusion, you are listening to the tall, friendly, Atheist Dead podcast. And the next 30 seconds are brought to you by our album Invisible Light, available at our Bandcamp website. This is part one of a two-part chat with social media expert and future movie director Joe Henkel. The second part will be released next episode. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. My name is Damien, the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad and host of the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Wherever you are, whatever time of day it is, whatever country, whatever state, whatever city you happen to be in, as you're listening to this, I hope you're doing well. It's a pleasure to have in the Zoom meeting with me today, longtime friend, a guy who I've enjoyed uh, interacting on Twitter with numerous times in numerous ways, Joe Henkel. Joe, actually, Joe, I've got a special sound for you. Let's welcome Joe awesome. Henkel. Whoa, thank you, Damien. Yay. Man, I'm excited to be here, and um, I've enjoyed so many of our Twitter conversations and your podcast for a bit, so thank you, I'm thank excited you. to be on. One of the reasons I've I've enjoyed interacting with you is because you seem to have an understanding of how social media works, how to make it work. You've been a content creator yourself for quite a long time, and you know, I've, I've seen your YouTube channel. So, my gosh, you, you know, you know, you know stuff, and I want to get stuff out of your head so that any any other content creators who are listening to this can actually get some tips learn how not to make mistakes, find out what the common mistakes are. And yeah, so Joe, are you happy to have a chat about social media? Yeah, absolutely. And I <laughs> love talking about it. So I'm I'm excited to, you know, see if I can help you and your your listeners. No, excellent. Appreciate it, Joe. Well thank thank you so much. Thank you so much. I don't know if you can tell from my age and and my and my looks, I'm a I'm in my mid forties. And mm. when I was probably about your age, and it sounds so weird saying this <laughs> when I was about your age <laughs> Probably the biggest thing in my age were chat rooms, IRC, uh, ICQ. I don't know if uh, you you may have heard of that. Yeah. Um, and what else? What else was there? Um, I think Twitter was very much in its infancy. MySpace, uh, MySpace was one was one of the big things. What was I going to say? And, and Instagram was kind of this thing that like hipsters and trendies, you, like you know, back back in the day, Instagram didn't have the big following that it did now. So, hmm. Joe, so take me through your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm 26 or 20, turn 27 next week. So, um, Ooh, but so I mean, I, I'm not way younger than you, but <laughs> my generation kind of skipped the like. I am, you know, the chat room stage and we're kind of, we kind of went right to the social media stage. Yeah. Really social media is how the world communicates now. I mean, there's, there's 
the way that people, humanity has communicated, especially in the last like hundred years has just radically changed. Oh, and yep. um, really social media is just, is just another part of that. And social media, I think will continue to evolve and it'll continue to become way more interest, even more interesting and complicated. And um, it's interesting too, seeing with mm -hmm. meta and what Facebook is trying to do with virtual reality and stuff. But it's honestly like the main way I think people are communicating in general and, um, and uh, w the way we're publicly communicating. Well, indeed, indeed. And I think just the idea, like if you said, some said to me, Damien, 20 years ago, you know, like, yeah, if some said to me 20 years ago, okay, in, in, in 2020 something, you know, you'll be having live conversations with people on air. It'll be just as natural as if you're speaking to them face to face, mm -hmm. the sound quality, the video quality, um, all that kind of stuff will be almost as if you are there in the room with you. And I think, oh my gosh, that's uh, because I, I remember yeah back in back in my day, um, like for example, chat rooms. You know, mm. you could you could barely post emojis, let alone like gifs, let alone uh, embed videos, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, email. Uh, I remember when I remember when Hotmail was the thing when Hotmail mm. like really took off. And it's like everyone wanted like having a Hotmail address was like when hotmail was the google of uh you know of, of the sure. late love the late 90s then it is just now interesting how technology has allowed the 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 flow of communication and also the types of communication as well because for example when instagram came out you know people are going you can only post pictures what's so good about that mm. yeah it, it's interesting just how it continues to evolve and change and um i mean especially like facebook and instagram are really good at this where they're constantly thinking about how to keep people's attention and keep people's attention on the platform so they're continuing to evolve in those directions and um i mean there's lots of things that are weird and things that i hear people complaining about the different platforms yep. but um at the end of the day i see it as an opportunity to you know reach people build friendships you know connect with people yeah. that we wouldn't be able to otherwise indeed indeed this is a one of the one of the things i found is that uh yeah you can build you can build friendships you can connect with people mm. um but i suppose one of the mistakes that you that you can make is that you sometimes uh, especially if you're younger is connecting with the wrong kind of people. It's yeah, a little, it's a little bit like, um, like you know, when you walk out the front door and your kids say, "Don't talk, <laughs> don't talk to strangers." Sure. And it's sort of like I remember there was a meme that came out the other the other week that you know when you're a kid, you know, your parents say, "Don't talk to strangers on the internet and don't get in cars with strangers." Mm. And now in two thousand in two thousand and twenty one, we are getting into cars with strangers that we met off the internet. Yeah, at least there's um some level i think of accountability that kind of is attached to that so for example like i mean uber if someone tries to do something harmful to you you know mm -hmm. yeah. that they have their information and saved and stuff so i think in some ways there's a lot of accountability obviously there's um some that you you don't know who to trust on the other side but yeah. also the way that 
people function hasn't really changed. It, it, it continues to slowly change, but like the same basic life principles have mm-hmm. stayed the same, even through this, you know, technology and information revolution. Like yeah. um, it, it's still, pe- people still crave community. People still crave meaning and people still want to connect with people and um, build relationships that are meaningful. And people, and some of the things that maybe um more human flaws like craving attention or um you know being kind of uh, like struggling with jealousy or or some of those things it's like yeah 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 i think social media can amplify that but really i mean humanity we haven't really changed that much no actually i'll, I'll agree and yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head is community mm. but what's changed is the way we do community Mm. so you know 100 years ago you know we were meeting at public baths or the mm. at a local park or we can jump onto a, onto a computer screen and wham bam you know you can jump into a uh, into a meeting with you know 20 of your friends mm. and have a have, have have a gathering there but uh, one of the things that has uh, driven the internet is is content creation mm. and you then had people who did stupid things on the internet for notoriety, Mm. which was very much the same as people doing stupid things in real life for the notoriety as well. Yeah, absolutely. So so again, it's that it's, we are still humans, but it's the way we communicate and share those ideas that the internet and, and particularly social media has changed. So I just want to change the conversation over to content creation. And I think one of the things is that technology has made it so easy to to do that. You know, um, everyone has a webcam. Decent professional level microphones are, you know, relatively, relatively cheap. Uh, yeah. Good, good mixes are relatively cheap. And even the platform. So I use Anchor for, for, for this podcast. Mm. And Anchor make it really easy to upload your, upload your audio chop and change things into um into episodes you can make your episodes there whereas again maybe five ten five or ten years ago you know you would have basically needed uh, a full-time professional person to really get that professional feel for for a podcast yeah Um, yeah i just see it as such a like huge opportunity there's there's so many different opportunities and i think like every you know field it's changing you know Mm mm-hmm if you look at you know people who want to be writers or artists or or want to be on tv or want to have an influence like mm-hmm. 50 75 years ago it's just opened up so much more freedom for those people music artists can just create content and just start creating and put it online and they don't have to necessarily wait for a studio to sign them or mm-hmm. save up this a lot of money to you know get studio time or all those types of things and if just people like me and you who have opinions or or thoughts or things that we want to share with the world or help people with Mm -hmm. we have these new opportunities to create for relatively nothing and i just see it all as a huge opportunity Indeed, indeed. And uh, just uh, while you were saying that, that, the very first instance of someone who became famous for what they did on the internet was Justin Bieber. Mm. 
because he oh what was it? I think he he had uploaded a video to uh you know, to YouTube or something and he was doing something cute and kitschy and then all of a sudden we <laughs> he exploded onto on on the everywhere baby was the song that that he did and he became famous and grew his career out of that so yeah, so it's not only communication but it's entertainment but it's also uh, commercial opportunities as well yeah absolutely what is the main difference between someone like let's say Jake or Logan Paul who have you know capillions of followers versus someone like yourself with your thousands of followers and me with my with my 20 followers yeah so i think it's it's being first being focused on what value you bring mm-hmm. um like jake and logan paul have have built this it's just brand it was actually first through vine they blew up through, through those six second videos and then yep. when they transitioned from vine to youtube they grew on there but their focus has always been entertaining people, be doing crazy things or big things that entertain people. And yep. um, for us smaller creators, sometimes it's it, it's not great for us to compare it to them, but to think about what value we provide yep. and be clear on who are we trying to help? How are we trying to help people? Mm-hmm. Are we trying to entertain them, educate them, inform them, inspire them? and what type of people we're trying to um, create content for. And having that clarity and knowing what your goal is and your purpose is, is gonna help a lot because I think a lot of creators are just kind of, they have an idea and they start with just like, oh, maybe I'll just create for everyone. Mm -hmm. But not everyone's gonna be interested in the type of content you make. So like having that um, clarity and kind of having that niche, but also like, knowing how your content is valuable and being consistent in that is going to help a lot with creating value to the people who do find you yeah and i think you hit the nail on the head with the uh, jake and logan paul was that they started off years ago on on vine mm-hmm. and they've been i suppose continually building their um their, their brand so, so, so to speak, and this is something that uh, smaller content creators probably lose sight of, is that it takes time. Like, I, I don't, I seriously don't know of anyone. And look, you, you may be able to correct me on this, Joe, but I don't know of anyone who woke up, started a YouTube channel, and then within a couple of days they had like you know fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand subscribers. And they're getting, you know, 10,000 subscribers a day. And within a week, they, they've hit the million. And they've got, like, the gold play button in, in the background. Mm. And they're getting all these sponsorship deals. I don't know of anyone who's reached that stage in anything less than a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's possible. And I'm sure someone's done it. But it's like hitting the lottery. With that clarity and knowing, like, um, what you're trying to accomplish helps a lot. So... Mm. Um, maybe with a, with a podcast or with an Instagram page or a YouTube channel, knowing like, uh, are you, are you, first of all, are you creating for yourself? If you're just creating to, and like for yourself and your close friends, that's good. But mm-hmm. sometimes you have to realize like, okay, who is going to be interested in this? For me, I do, um, a lot of poetry on my channel and yes. I realize not everyone likes poetry. So I only have this small audience of people who actually care about poetry and most Mm -hmm. of the audience is um students in 
America, Philippines, mm-hmm. and India between mm-hmm. like the ages of like 15 and 25 who mm-hmm. are in high school or college trying to learn poetry. So like for that example, that's like a specific niche. And mm-hmm. I realize like 98% of people don't care about my content. So as it applies to anyone, it's like knowing your audience and knowing who you're trying to reach and really focusing on providing something valuable for them helps you stay focused. And um, and it, it, it keeps us from getting disheartened, like, oh, everyone doesn't like our content or, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, my siblings laugh at my videos or don't enjoy it. And I, and we joke about that. So like, I, I, that, that doesn't bother me because I realize, oh, my content's not for them. My podcast isn't for them. Yeah. And having that mindset of like, oh, this is who I'm trying to reach. This is my niche. This is my focus will help you stay encouraged a lot. Good stuff. That's a, that's, 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 that's a really good point. But um, getting disheartened when you don't see the numbers roll through is one of those mistakes that uh, that content creators make. Mm. Uh, what are some other mistakes that uh, fledgling content creators make as well, Joe, just from your experience? Yeah, I, I talk to a lot of content creators that want to monetize and mm-hmm. um, I encourage them to like find a way that they're going to monetize it their platforms, yep. but um, be patient with that and figure out what is working and figure out what's working in your niche and figure out, um, you know, best practices for uploading and, and tagging your YouTube videos and figure out, you know, what's working on TikTok or Instagram reels if you're mm-hmm. using those platforms. Yep. And um, I think some, some people have the assumption that they just should, they should have success in it without trying to learn the platforms and learn the best practices and, um, kind of change their packaging to the platforms rather than let just, just throw whatever they want up and hope that people watch it. Okay. Uh, so, so, so I suppose the next mistake is, uh, feeling entitled to success. Mm, might be might, might might be the way to put it because uh, you, you hit on something just then uh, about uh, like knowing knowing the platform, knowing the the best times to upload or the, the best content to upload and stuff like that. And I find personally, for me, consistency. Mm. So in the early stages of my podcast, I you know I there were times where I released two or three episodes a week. And I then kind of realized, well, hold on, you know, expecting people to keep up. And then here I am shooting out episodes left, right, and center. Yeah. And I like what you said about um, knowing who the people are that are listening to your podcast and who you're trying to reach. You know, um, there might be uh, someone who's trying to do like, let's say comedy videos or, or a comedy show, and they mm-hmm. don't have the time to come up with the, with good enough bits that they can post every day or maybe, but, or maybe there's someone who can, or there are, it's possible to have a successful show that people are posting every day. I think mm-hmm. of, you know, the late night TV shows, they're, they're creating a new show every night, but they have a team helping them and they have an audience watching. So like part of it is knowing the platform. So yep. if you're focused on YouTube, if you're focused on podcasting, if you're focused on Instagram, like knowing the platform and knowing, um, your audience will help you a lot and the type of content that you create, you know, um, some of our favorite music artists put out 
not even a song a month or maybe they put out an album every few years so yep it's possible to have successful content if it's really good quality without being um posting every day or every week yeah yeah but there has to be consistency and you have to know who your audience is and and figure that out and figure out what they want and figure out what yep. they will um take time to consume that's a, that's a very good point thank you joe um uh, consistency both in terms of release schedule but also quality as well mm. i get some people who come to me and say hey look you know i'm thinking of doing a podcast what advice would you have for me and one of the things that i to say to them is try build up a lot of material before you start mm. because when you when you release episode one you're going to have to re- release episode two Mm-hmm. Then you have to release episode three and then episode four and episode five or, or whatever. And if you're going to do that week by week on the fly, it is going to make it make it a little bit hard. Whereas, you know, before you actually get your episode one, you know, make sure you have at least, you know, four or five episodes in, in, in the bag that, that you're happy with. Let's say you have a busy week at work and you don't have mm-hmm. time to work on your video, on your YouTube or your podcast or whatever it is then, you know, sometimes what I do, and I'm sorry if I'm pulling back the curtain here, but, sure. you know, um, sometimes on, on on the busy weeks, you know, I'll, so I have about 10 episodes in my, in my podcast that I have just in case things get busy and things don't quite work out. I don't have time to make new stuff. So I will uh, schedule one of the older things I recorded maybe three or four months ago and so then, you know, the next couple of weeks when hopefully life gets back on track, you then have that time you can sit down and work on that new material. But I suppose what I'm trying to say is, and what, what I say to prospective podcasters is, always have that reserve of material mm. so that when you get personally busy or let's say you get sick or whatever, then, hey, you know, you can at least give your fan base something. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a huge hack where it... It works so well if you have that prepared and you, you have, you know, that ready to go because like that, that also comes along with like knowing what you can create and what you can produce. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, a lot of the poetry videos I've been doing recently are stuff that other people have written and I can like do it. So, so I, I like pretty simply. So I've been posting more consistently than if I'm writing my own stuff. But when I'm writing my own stuff, I've realized, oh, I need to take more time in it. It takes, I can't put out a video original, you know, poem every week because it, it takes me long to write. So like knowing whatever type of content that you have and how long it takes, you know, some shows are like really documentary based or mm-hmm. they take a lot of research and they have a lot of just um, information and those are going to take a lot longer to write and to yep. do research on than just an interview-based podcast. Um, and then also like that consistency and type of, in terms of content, I think a lot of content creators, especially when they first start, they just try to be like random and they kind of want to have a variety show that it's like, it's, um, and there's no consistency uh, on what people can expect. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine watching your tv show and it has a different actors every time and it has different <laughs> yep. intro and it's the last week it was a comedy but this week it's a drama you know i think that's what a lot of people do especially with like blogs and stuff like that mm-hmm. um 
And I think if you build up a fan base and they care about all those different things, you have a little bit more flexibility to do that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have an audience yet, they don't want to see, you know, every area and detail of your life. It, it, it takes time to build an audience and that comes through like consistency and the yeah. type of content that you make. And I think you, you touched on something that I uh, I find uh, that a number of content creators do, and that is oversharing. Being famous online is a bit of a double-edged sword in that people want to know a bit more about you. Like I feel that the more of yourself that you put out there, uh, people can have a connection with. Mm. But then also you you do have that personal right to privacy as well. Um, there are content creators who, you know, take you on tours through their house and they show you their wife and their kids and their, you know, the, and their car and all, all, all this kind of stuff. Whereas, and I think this may be one of the mistakes that I've made is that, you know, I, I don't put videos of myself out there. Um, I, I don't, you know, in all my stories, I change, I, I change names so the you know the privacy of the people is 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 respected you know i rarely i rarely mention my kids stuff like that so in in a way i feel like i've personally hampered my my growth but while hanging on to my privacy and a bit of my anonymity as well yeah and and that's kind of a uh, personal personal decision like you have to decide mm. oh that that's what you want to do. And I think the, the question gets a little bit more complicated with when it comes to kids and, yes. um, you know, it's there, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in like 25 years and how like it affects people and all, all that type of stuff. I, I, I'm not afraid of it, but I realize like, I, I respect a lot when parents decide, Oh, you know, I'm not going to post kids online because I want them to make their decision when they're older, yeah. you know, all those types of things. But that's like a, a kind of personal figuring it out. And also it depends on your, the type of content that you're making and the niche that you're in. Like um, if you have a cooking show if, and someone's listening they're like, oh, I just want to make cooking videos on YouTube. People who are watching those are looking for good recipes. They're not necessarily looking like, oh, I wonder what this person's house looks like. <laughs> so it also yeah, kind yeah. of depends on like the type of um, content that you're putting out and podcasting, you know, um, is a is a really good tool for people who who don't want to put a lot of pictures or videos of themselves mm-hmm. out, and they're like, okay, they can reach their audience in a way that works for them without um, stepping out into something that makes them feel uncomfortable. Or Indeed, unsafe. and this this is something I was just mentioning to you before is that like I'm I'm not putting the video of this out there because I I personally find it hard to think and be a host and have to look at a camera mm. and get my body language right and all that kind of stuff. I find it easy to just talk into a microphone, read my notes, think about what you're saying and interact with you directly rather than, rather than having to play for for a camera. Mm. Some people some people do that and I I admire them for it. It's, but it's just something that I I, f- I can do it, though I'd rather not because I'd rather the intellectual aspect of what I'm saying come through rather than the rather than the performative aspect. Yeah, and I think that's one of the cool things, too, about podcasting is there's so much um, variety and type of content, too, mm. and that there's people that care about the topics that you talk about, but um, they, they would listen to your podcast opposed to someone else's because they don't necessarily like the other person's personality yeah. and 
And that's like just one thing that play into it. And it helps us if we just realize that and that's like a fact, we realize, oh, some people aren't going to like us because of our personality or some people are just kind of um, mad that day. So they see something that we tweet and they're just um, <laughs> yep. reply with, with an angry tweet. And it's, it has nothing to do with us, but maybe it's just how they're feeling that day or how what they think about a certain issue or, or those types of things. But the cool thing is when you realize there's just so much room and there's so much space, there's, you know, millions and billions of people out there who are who listen to podcasts and, and want to learn and um, have access to YouTube and all of that. Mm -hmm. It's like, there, there's no way that we're going to reach all of those people. But no. every show and every community has um, voices and can uh, find those shows that interest them. Mm -hmm. And there's other people in that same community who are passionate about the same issues, but they'll be like, oh yeah, I don't really like this person's show because his format or his his personality or his voice or it's just random Something. things like that. Yeah. Um, and accepting that it, I think helps creators not be so, um, Beholden. focus on, you yeah. Know, yeah. I wonder if every single person likes me. Well, it's interesting you say that because I, I would say that Joe Rogan is probably the most famous and biggest podcaster in the world, mm. but not everyone likes him. Absolutely. And I, I think uh, one of the brilliant things about Joe Rogan is that to him, people not liking him is just water off a duck's back. Mm. Yeah, he's he's got the profile. He's 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 already got the profile. He's already got the uh, the big sponsorship deals. Um, you know, he can pull guests left, right, and center. Um, you know, and probably one of the other really good things about his shows is that because they're so long, um, he can chop the clips up. Chuck them yeah. on you. Chuck them on YouTube, and make them like you know ten, fifteen minute shorts, and keep the clicks and the and the eyeballs and the ears going from that. So I think that's that's bloody brilliant. Yeah, and um, I mean, someone like him gets a lot of um, makes helps him make a lot of money and gets mm -hmm. a lot of attention from hate listens. You know, people who are just listening to to be critical. What's of, he gonna say next? Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of times um we we let trolls kind of uh make us insecure or or mm -hmm. distract us but in the internet world whether or not this is healthy or good it it adds um attention to our content when trolls engage with it indeed and this is uh another thing on the on this little shopping list that i wanted to uh, discuss with you about and i think thank you for thank you for bringing it up is um, so one of the mistakes on social media is, uh, I suppose, outrage culture. Mm. And I do realize that one of the things that drives attention is is outrage. Mm. And so, like, for me personally, so my, I suppose, my online persona, uh, which is an extension of my real-life persona, is that, hey, I'm this, this big, friendly guy. You know, I'll happily sit down for a chat, I'm not going to say outrageous things for the sake of saying outrageous things. Yes, I'm opinion I'm opinionated in some aspects, but even me personally, I've I rarely though sometimes I do, but I rarely post something inflammatory for the sake of posting something inflammatory. Sure. But what I've noticed is that, you know, my my tweets where they're like very circumspect and very you know i suppose nuanced and 
the you know a bit more I suppose mild doesn't quite generate the same stuff as the um, and I find this very true in atheist Twitter is that like the more outrageous or the more inflammatory or the more um, blunt the the message the more it gets the likes and the comments and the retweets and the interactions with trolls and all, all, all this kind of stuff yeah and I I mean yeah that happens in every niche and I, yes it, 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 I, I watched a, a movie the other day from a newspaper from the early 1900s but that that's what they would do in, in their headlines you know they would have those headlines that were kind of um controversial or um or maybe elaborate a little bit just mm -hmm, to get mm -hmm. the people to buy their newspaper so it, that's like an, a natural human behavior that might not be healthy and i re i when people decide you know what that's not my personality and that's not what i choose to do you'll start to grow an audience of people that respect that right so mm -hmm. um i i appreciate your that your tweets and your persona on online is gracious and i'm more drawn to that and i'm more likely to like stop and think about something that you say because i'm like oh that seems like a respectful way but there's people who you know will engage with um inflammatory uh, content but also maybe that doesn't make the biggest difference maybe that doesn't draw people to you maybe that doesn't help you necessarily grow good quality content and a uh engaged audience mm, mm. but what i have what i have noticed myself is that if i do respond to something inflammatory uh that does then drive the uh drive the engagement with people other people responding to that same inflammatory posts mm. And so sometimes you can build a uh, you can build your online audience uh, online audience that way. But sure. one of the other things that I did want to discuss was um, why why Twitter, in particular Twitter, gets toxic so easily. This ends part one of my chat with social media expert and future movie director Joe Henkel. The next episode will be released next Sunday. And until then, stay safe and enjoy. See ya.